Well, how are you? Happy 4th of July to you listeners. This is Jim the Keys bartender. I almost turned off the whole show. I've been up for a couple of quite a few hours. Not quite a few hours. I had a good, good amount of sleep. And I started the podcast uh, greeting you with July 4th greetings and almost turned off the podcast right after saying that. Proving once again that doing 634 episodes, actually there's more, more like 720, uh, doesn't make you an expert. And that will come to play in one of the discussions we have. It's not really discussion if I'm doing all the talking, though. I understand that. I hear that. But until I can get the kind of audience, and I'm not saying a large audience. I need a larger audience. I have a good audience. I appreciate everyone that's listening now. But if I have a large enough audience, there'll be enough crazy people out there to actually call in. So then I have to do a live one, which is difficult online because if you get uh, an interruption, which is an internet interruption, we get a lot down in the keys here. At least we get it where I am. It makes it more difficult. Like with radio waves, if your phone lines are up and you have power, you're broadcasting. That's the one good thing. You can't say fuck, shit, poop. You know, you can say poop. I think you can say poop. But you still can't say that. It's 2022 and you can't say a lot of things on broadcast because they're the public airwaves and we had this discussion before. But the this holiday, the 4th of July, I have to say is probably one of the more pure enjoyment holidays for me as an adult. And it's so interesting since I don't really partake in several of the things. It's the only holiday that you know, combines severe dehydration with the potential for uh, losing your vision or digits or an appendage through uh, an explosion. And you combine those, it's it's a, it's a fabulous holiday. And I'm not saying it has to be those things have to happen, dehydration. I'm saying it's just a high potential for it because it is hot. And then and uh, people, it's just very interesting to have the, the mass of Americans, people with limited amount of, and temporary amount of experience with pyrotechnics decide when they're going to engage in these in a field that they're not adept in, they're going to say first, hey, let's drink for about eight hours before or more longer and stay out in the sun. And then I'm sure I'll be making the right kind of decisions you need to make when you're lighting Lighten that up. Yep, let, yet we still do it. And with that, we enjoy, I have to say, and I'll say truthfully on this thing, I do make fun of it, but it is it does happen. You can look at it. There's a lot of trips to the emergency room for that very thing that I'm saying, de- being dehydrated um, and exposure to fireworks, you know, you know, having one explode in your hand and horrible things that happen. But I, I realize that there's millions and millions more oohs and ahs than screams of things like that. Look out. Uh, don't go back. And that's when people go back when something you're lighting up for fireworks and it the, um, I think a lot of people probably get injured from that when they go walk back and they look into a mortar tube. You know, 
that didn't go off because the fuse kind of was a little slow. But yeah, you saying don't leave it. You just got to get let it go. You got to let it go for a half hour or something like that. You don't walk back. Um, you're on fire, or you hear people screaming, jump in the pool, something like that. You should always have a pool. I think you should have a pool uh, on by. But I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. I realize that because I enjoy it. I love it. I love it. And when I uh, yesterday I went to a pool party, and they had they bought this guy bought a lot, a lot of fireworks, big, the big kind. The mortars and the, the starburst and all this stuff, the booming ones. And they did a pretty good job. They did a good job. It's hard to do. You know, you got to find the wick. You got to light it. You're, you're, on the, you're near the water, so they got a nice breeze. So it keeps on blowing out. So it's kind of, you know, a little work getting that done. There's probably a better way to light a, uh, a fuse. But th- that's the case. So they did it. They did a, 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 a great job. And speaking of the party, it was this beautiful party. It was on on, uh, on the bay. It was uh, they had a lovely property, and uh, you know we had some food. We hung out in the pool, and uh, funny thing happened. Funny thing happened. The um, the host was uh, 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 hilarious. He, he was just he was really good with telling his his stories. It was good. It really fun. When I say stories, I'm recreating things that have happened. And it, it was exceptional at it. And one of them, he, he gave a speech at the end. And I, I've gone, given a few speeches. But there's, so there was a lot of things I found similar in he and I. And I'll talk about that later. But he told this story about uh, Sangria. Remember Sangria? And I go, what the hell does that have to do? And he says, well, well, you should remember this. This is a great one for a bartender. So he goes to proceed to tell this story that whenever he's hanging out, he doesn't like any discourse or any negative, you know, negative discourse and stuff like that. And tells the story how I, I don't want to go about it because I don't want to screw up his story. But pretty much what he would do is say, hey, you got sangria? Can you make sangria? What's the ingredients used in sangria? And whatever... He uses that, and the person starts talking. They say, oh, yeah, I do like sangria. And one was talking about uh, someone's relative, and um, that normally the person wasn't really too pleasant company. And what he did was ask her if you like sangria. And she started, uh, this woman started talking about this, uh, the way she likes sangria, and the way she uh, described how she liked it was a pleasurable experience. And he says, hey, and he started using this anytime there was a tense situation, and a drinking situation, actually. He says, well, how about <clears throat> sangria? Do you like sangria? You know, stuff like that. Do you have, like, do you have the ingredients for sangria? A- anything. He referred to, and it seemed to stop people from getting into verbal altercations that could have turned into physical altercations. I don't know if he mentioned it could have turned into physical. But he, he said he used it every time. It works every time. It works every time. You know, remember that if you ever saw the movie Anchorman, there's a scene where he's talking to one of his fellow guys on this newscast, and uh, it's got Paul Rudd, and he has a collection of cologne. And he said, Well, when it comes up, he says, This cologne is so good. He says, 
uh, 40% of the time, it works every time. And which was the correct, which is the correct phrase. It is a correct phrase saying 40% of the time, it works every time. It means, but out of the whole 100%, it only works 40% of the time. So, that, but the sangria one for him, I'm going to try, I'm going to try it sometime. And I don't know if it's is a magical story, a magical word, maybe, or something like that. Or someone starts talking about, you know, cherries and oranges and brandy and and other things you put into it, cinnamon that you get, that it would take you away. It's a way to distract you from doing, going down, interrupting thoughts, interrupting negative thoughts. I think that's what it does. And it gets you onto a positive thing. Now, there could be one person... You asked about sangria, and they, you know, their their favorite dog could have been ran over by a person that got drunk on sangria. I imagine that person would not, did not dispel, put them in a in a, a deep depression. But since that is a rarity, most people probably have a very positive uh, view of sangria. So this guy told all this guy told all these. Um, the host, and he told, and I, I didn't want to, I didn't ask him if I could do this, so I didn't, I won't say his name. But yeah, the, the the people they invited, they were sweethearts, they were nice people. We had a wonderful time hanging out in the pool, watching the fireworks later that they had, and uh, had to leave. I did not partake, but I had an enjoyable time. They were a very fun, fun group of people. But the one thing I noticed. I was listening intently to the host and we shared a lot of things in common and I think it's the ability, you know, that we're extroverts, like talking to people. You know, this guy was an extrovert. He just loved talking to people and he would, he would go through, tell a story and he would do it with really nice detail, but not too much. Um, he would tell it long enough that you got the story, that it's not just yada, yada, this. He gave it long enough, he got detail and stuff like that, and he didn't oversell the punchline. He just said it, right? And let you experience it. And frankly, it made me reconsider my what I'm doing on my podcast because I'm thinking, I don't even get close to what this guy does. I'm listening to him. But what I also realized, and I know I've been doing it for years, I realized realized this, I became aware 15 years ago. (laughs) It's 15, which is a very long time, not ago, um, being 44, 43 years old, that I was a bore, a classic a classic bore. I mean, show up yapping, nonsense, just going on. I still like doing that, but I was a narcissistic bore. I wasn't in my whole life, but when I showed up at a party, I became a narcissist. It was all about me. I was interrupting others. Uh, when someone told a story, I tried to top their stories. There was a character on Senate Live that did that. Um, and I was always like into that. Oh, well, I kind of the overall thing was attention seeking. 
And whenever I go to a party now, I kind of realize this. I say, oh, we got to listen. I got to listen. I got to listen. Not say anything, even though I had something to share, but I didn't know if it was pertinent. I don't know if when I'm ready to share something, if the thing I'm sharing is, I guess a lot of people, what was it called? The um, people with Asperger's syndrome. There could be someone who says they're really interested in coffee mugs and custom-made coffee mugs. And that's all. Oh, I saw. And that's all they talk about. That's Asperger's. It's like you got to un... It's, it's, it's just the way your brain is you're wired. It's not... A, it's not it's n- I hate to call it the disorder. I call it just a way of being for some people. And I bet there's a... Probably an evolutionary thing right with Asperger's than more likely than wrong with it. Because there's something that... And, and I bet there's a, definitely there's a series of a whole different things. But it's an inordinate focus on one particular thing. So if someone's talking about coffee mugs, it's coffee mugs. This, 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 this. Right? But the main thing about that is they think, with Asperger's, you think everyone's interested in coffee mugs. Everyone's interested in coffee mugs. And they get really good at the shit they know about coffee mugs. They know all of them. Also, well, this one's made with mostly aluminum, but this one's ceramic, and this is who the guy that designed the no-spill cup, you know, and all that shit. Right? So, I guess maybe I do have Asperger's, but I think instead of just one particular subject, I think people are probably fascinated, and this is where my family was, I think people are fascinated by anything I talk about because the way I talk about it. And I realize that's not necessarily true. So I sit and I watch and I wait and I stay quiet, which is very, very uncharacteristic of me. I still, I still go. It's like I'm holding my mouth. If you can see me just pull my lips tight and go like this. And someone could, uh, I'm listening to someone talk about uh, how Germans were discriminated during the Revolutionary War. And, and I go, blah, blah, blah. And I said, my grandmother um, was, uh, didn't speak English till 1909. And, and uh, 1914, she was born in 1908. Uh, she was six or seven years old. When America went into war with, went into World War One as an ally of Britain against Germany and Austrian Hungarian Empire, right? So I said, yeah, she started changing because of that. And some reason that she kept on saying the Revolutionary War. I said, is it a Revolutionary War on the other side? I said, no, World War One is not the Revolutionary War. That was the wars in, these are wars in the 20th century. World War, the Revolution, the American Revolutionary War, at least, was in uh, the late 1770s into the 1780s. And we're having this discussion and but I, I no, she's saying that. And I was telling my story, and she started talking about it. And she's a revolutionary war. And then I wrote, no, it wasn't a revolutionary war. It was, in, I was. It was the World War One. And then I started with my grandmother thing, and I, I, I may have just fucking bored you to death. You could be if there's. I'm not taking responsibility. There's blood running out of your ears because of that whole thing. I am so sorry. But that's just, just take the podcast. Sometimes. And think about if you're at a party with that person. And they just go on for like 20 minutes. 
or actually as a show, I've been going on 16 minutes. And whether you're there, I'm just keep going. Now with adults, they just go and walk away. They walk away. I think with younger people, younger people, if they, they, if they have somebody they kind of like or friendly with and stuff, they can listen to them for a while. They can listen for a while. But you show up at a party. No one fucking knows you. No one knows the context of how you take you, whether you're serious or not. Then, Jesus Christ, you you are becoming the focus of attention, but not necessarily can you say, oh, this asshole will not let anybody finish a story. Always has something better. Or trying to top him with how intelligent or witty he is. And I thought, yesterday, whatever I said, I pulled it in. And even when you let it go sometimes, when you it's like releasing the hounds. When you let it go, it's like opening up a fire hydrant. Have you ever seen that? If you're in the city or whatever, you open up a fire hydrant, the pressure just burst out. It's like one of those ways that, you know, how people debate in collegiate and college level now. They just go real fast over a litany of facts. And sometimes I do that really quick. And someone, you know, someone says um, something I disagree with and stuff like that, you know. Like, the Civil War wasn't about slavery. And now I'll just go, blah, 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 blah. We always in their constitution, blah, blah, blah. So they, you know, protect uh, the peculiar institution, blah, blah, blah. The thing is like, it was, a, it was economic. And, and I go in, and they go in there like 30 seconds. But that's my thing. You always run up against people like that at a party, you know, like this. And people go, wow, I hate those hydration IVs they give you in a hospital. And then someone that works at the company and makes the IV bags shows up and goes, oh, if it was for IV bags, uh, 200,000 people a year would die of dehydration. You go, wow, oh, man, this guy knows a lot of shit about IV bags. You're always going to run. Someone's a really good expert. You know, you can watch a couple TV shoes, 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 shows about space and think you're an astrophysicist until you you're at a party and you're talking about space. And all of a sudden there's an astrophysicist standing next to you. You go, oh, fuck. Then you can talk about and you say, well, I'm going to make this instead of facts. I'm going to make this about humor now. Yeah, that's the way I that's the way I roll sometimes. I go, oh, well, you got me, Doc. You know, you got me, Mr. Hawkins, Stephen Hawkins, not Jimmy Hawkins. If you're familiar, if you're local, you'll hear, you may be hearing it. I hear more about Jimmy Hawkins when on my, I'm going to take a brief thing. Hear a little more about Jimmy Hawkins on our next podcast. Not, I'm going to continue doing Keys Bartender for all you tens and tens of listeners. Uh, but I'm going to do one that is called Conk Chatter. And I said that correctly for once. And it'll pertain to people. Conk, it'd be Florida, Conk refers to a key, uh, Keys resident or someone that was born in the Keys, right? Someone that was born in the Keys. And they got different levels, like this is informal. Well, obviously, whoever awards calling someone a Conk, that is an arbitrary award too, because. You know, this is an agreement that people that are born here say only we can be conked. 
It's like there's a bunch of redheads say, only we could be redheads. You put on a red wig or you dye your hair red, does not count you as a redhead. You know? Coming down to Florida Keys and putting on a Jimmy Buffett shirt and walking around with a fishing rod all the time does not make you a Florida Keys resident. Okay. So what makes you a Florida Keys resident? What makes you a comp? Well, being born here or being here 15 years, 15 years makes you a freshwater conch. Are there freshwater conchs? I'm not sure. I'm going to have to do a little research. I mean, according to them, you're a freshwater conch. But why are you so eager to be compared to a barely sentient shellfish? And I shouldn't say that because I'm thinking, is it barely sentient? Maybe it's very sentient. Maybe they're the most hilarious things in the ocean, the conch shells. But I know they repeat a lot. I'm just kidding. I don't know if they repeat a lot. But you know how someone talks into a shell and they listen, they listen to the ocean? You think they talk, you know, like they're talking here to the ocean. Because I guess it's a peculiar way that air travels through it or around it. So I am acutely aware of the habit getting back to the story of being a bore and recognizing it. I'm just kind of, it's kind of like being, I'm almost, I'm in my late fifties and I, I've seen movies where people come out of the closet and they say, well, you know what? I'm gay. And they said, well, I'm coming out of the closet when it comes to being a bore. I know it. I realize it when I'm talking to someone on the phone, Bah, 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 bah. talking first, interrupting, topping their story, having to say my show, display my wit. Right? It's best when it's a, like an easy flow and there's an interruption and you're kind of ripping off someone's conversation, going back and forth. You know, great conversation. You got the flow and they go in like this and they start, someone starts talking about how much they like turtles. And you go and you say, well, yeah, I love box turtles. And the person said, well, I used to paint mine. And the other person says, well, I'm, and you know, whatever. I used to do a recording. I had a band. And it was made up of me and my turtle. It was mainly me doing the vocals. So the turtle, you know, and, I'll, the, and that's the conversation back and forth. So, yeah, I'm acutely aware of it. I do see it. So if someone asks, say, Jim, you, you really... And sometimes... And, and you know what? It's such a joy to listen. Because there's so many... For me, there's so many diamonds in the rough when I hear someone say something. How they say it, when they say it. Sometimes it's very wise things people say. And something's not so wise. And sometimes things are just very funny, depending on the context. So, and I'm and and it's best when they're addressing you when you're talking to them because I realize when you overhear it. But then again, this is my thing: when someone's having a loud conversation at the bar, don't you fucking think it's a private conversation? If you want to have a private conversation, go outside. And if you want, you know, obviously you can't be super filthy and all that stuff. That's not right either. That's creepy. 
that's like one of those movies like Blue Velvet. You know, I don't want to work at a place like that. Even though I kind of, you know, sometimes in the right context and stuff like that, yes. Very exciting. I don't do that. I don't, I, I mean, I do do that. But in the, it, it's just not the place for it. It's just not the place. And finally, and finally, you know, my, I was going to say, my affectations of history. My, I'm overly confident on my understanding of a broad swath of history. Is that correct? I think it is. I'm overly confident because I seem to re- relate things. I think when you lay down a base of knowledge for any particular topic, you become more absorbent of new information if you know where to put it. When I say when you know, you come apart new information. If you're interested in baseball and you hear about a new like technique in pitching, you can affiliate that information with other information and your understanding of it. You say, well, I can see how that would be better or, you know, this, that. You, you can embrace it. And that's your new knowledge. So it's like a doctor for continuing education or lawyers with new laws. You can just, this is the new law. And you, since you know all the other laws, you know how this one fits in here. And you know how they address it and how, you know, people, you know, people are in, You know, are, are they guilty or not guilty? They just, they just know how the information fits. So with history, when you hear one thing, going back a couple hundred years, oh, this was when, let's say a couple hundred years ago, and you said, well, Bismarck was born then and this and that, and Karl Marx was coming around a couple of, you know, in, in Germany and, and uh you know, Victoria was the queen, and you know all those things. So then you hear something about Norway, just fits right in, right? So I watch the History Channel and stuff like that. And every time, and I notice this, historians or people that produce, they like to say, this event changed the world. This event changed the world. This event changed the world. You know, it, it sounds dramatic when you say, you changed my life. Well, technically, anybody in your you run into, if you understand the cascading nature of proceeding events, how events unfold, anytime you meet someone, your life really changes. It could be different, very small change, but it changes what you're going to do the rest of the day. It changes the things you're going to think about sometimes. Right? And then big events affect more people. Like big tragedies, big successes. <coughs> it's just the more it changes. But it always changes the world. If you change and the world's changed, then the more significant the number of people or significant of people it happens to has a way of affecting it more. So to say this event changed the world the most, who knows? Because only... You know, because when they say an event changed the world, the world was something that happened in history. Present, you really don't even know the present. The present, you know the present. And this, just hear me out on this. You know the present because of history. Like tomorrow, we can do 
the news of today. So it's 24 hours between after midnight and up to midnight. The things that happen in the day. We can't do the news of today today. Only up to this moment. So, and, and everything in the future, you can't really. You can't really do the news of the future. So who knows? It changed the world. Maybe that's exactly how the world was supposed to be. When something said they changed the world and said like that, so everything changed. Everything changes. It's just the, it's weird. I'm not a chemist, but just the way matter adheres and the way entropy works and waves and all that stuff, things are always going to change. Things are always going to change. There's always a change going on. If there's no change going on, that's like, I guess there's only thing, like absolute, absolute zero, something at absolute zero outside the timeline. So, I know, I got to think about the things I said. This, this changed the world. This changed the world. This changed the world. Well, isn't that kind of, of course. You, and when someone sends a card to you and say, you changed my life. You changed my life. Well, how is that a positive thing all the time? You got to follow up, you changed my life. Because after you say, you can send a letter and you put on a cover, you changed my life. And then when you open it, because finding you made me realize that there's some match for my soul's affection. Something like that. Or you changed my life when you married me and then divorced me. And took most of my earnings with you. I am now destitute. See? Yeah. So people say change is good. You know, some changes are good. Some changes are bad. And stuff like that. So everything's moderate. Everything changes. Some things are good. Some things are bad. Who's to say? So you changed me. You've changed me. I'm talking to you, listener. Well, listen. I like to talk to you a, a bit more, but I do get the impression I've been manipulating this conversation for a little too long. I'll be back. I'm imagining tomorrow. I'll talk to you later. Bye.